630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. to report in the Ottawa Rangers game. First of all, Zibanejad got his second of the playoffs at 13:32 of the second period. That cut Ottawa's lead to 2-1, but Eric Carlson coming back at 15:53, his second of the postseason, Ottawa leading the Rangers 3-1. With about, uh, well, there's 2.45 left in the second period. As we look at your Crystal Glass scoreboard, Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. So Ottawa trying to close that one out. Big response goal there by Carlson. I can also tell you, baseball tonight, Cleveland leading the Blue Jays 3-0. That game into the top of the seventh. The Jays have uh, managed only two hits so far tonight off Carlos Carrasco, who also has six strikeouts. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Game 7 tomorrow, Oilers and Ducks. We'll have it on Ched, 6 o'clock face-off show. The game will start at 8. Uh, Lambo texting in, and yes, you're right, Lambo. The Rangers have a contract with Madison Square Garden that uh, they uh, can't play any home games away from MSG. So, yeah, that's why when they play these stadium series games, they're always the road team. All right. Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, joins us once a week here on Inside Sports. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. Just getting ready to go on the air. All right. Well, good to talk to you. Exciting time here. We're uh, leading up to Game 7 between the Oilers and the Ducks. Man, oh man, Kelly, what a crazy couple of games, Games 5 and, and Game 6. I guess the Oilers proved it again. They're, they're pretty resilient. They are able to park whatever happened in the last game. That's as, as devastating a way as you can lose a game on Friday night. And it sure tells you a lot about that, uh, that team, doesn't it? And that starts with uh, management and coaches and everything that they were able to regroup. And I was, uh, I was really unsure going into uh, game six what uh, the reaction might be from the Oilers. I mean, you think of, as you said, what a devastating way to lose uh, in game five. And for them to bounce back and not only bounce back, but absolutely annihilate the Ducks. I mean, that just tells you that this is a team like you and I have talked many, many times during the course of the year. It just had a different feel. It just looked to me like they have way more character than they have previously and uh, that they are really led by some young guys, too. I don't know if you watched our shows, uh, but uh, for Game 6, there was a clip that we showed from the end of Game 5 after Dreisaitl had missed his man, Perry, and Perry, of course, scored the overtime winner. Uh, there was Dreisaitl on the bench, and Connor McDavid walked by him, and you could see, you could read his lips. He's like, let's go. And it was really cool. It was like, no, we're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to pout. Let's get back to Edmonton and let's, uh, let's play again. And it was a really cool uh, show of leadership, and I think that's why this organization is viewed differently by many people. Kelly, i got to ask you this before we get to some other thoughts here. 
Do you know what goaltender interference is in the NHL? <laughs> no, I don't. And and I suspect uh, that we'll have this discussion many, many times uh, down the road for years. It's just, you know, here's the problem. And it's also um, interesting that we're talking about goalie interference now and also the concussion protocol. You look at uh, what happened to Crosby yesterday. Um, in the first period, not so much when he got the high stick from his own teammate Hornquist behind the net. That one didn't bother me, but it did bother some other people, so that's an important thing. But uh, the one near the end of the period, uh, the concussion protocol and goalie interference to me, it's so subjective that I just find it so difficult because what you might think is goalie interference or the guy should be uh, taken off the ice by the concussion spotter and how I see it and how Ron McLean sees it and everybody sees it, that's you know open to interpretation. And I really don't know. Uh, I was uh, completely shocked that uh, there wasn't goalie interference on Cam Talbot uh, when Kessler put his glove on his pad. And the other one, the game before with Perry going through the crease or through the basically the top of the crease, I, I could see it both ways. It's such an, a like strange conversation to have where there's no clarity for those two topics. I'd never seen that before with Kessler actually interfering with a goalie's equipment that way. Did you ever have anything like that happen to you where oh, yeah. <laughs> you actually had equipment yep. pull that? Absolutely. The guys are really clever, right? They understand. And Kessler, of course, is one of those guys that he understood that he could take his time and the way in which he was kind of intertwined, I guess, with Talbot, that it was a perfect opportunity for him to sort of fake that he's going to try and get out or get his stick out from underneath Talbot. It was was, uh, really in his favor in that sense. Um, It's funny, too, when we first saw it, I didn't notice Kessler's glove um, in there. And it was a good pickup by Elliot when we're running through the clips uh, during the live television. And he said, hey, there's Kessler's left hand on Talbot's pad. And prior to that, that wasn't really what I was looking for. So it was a good pickup by him. I'm not sure how many other people uh, saw it before I did. But uh, you will have that from time to time, guys. Uh, They they use that uh, thing where they get pushed in to their advantage. Kelly, Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. All right, so the Oilers roll in, in, in game six. I mean, they looked very determined. They didn't let the foot off the gas. I know we talk a lot about in the playoffs, you know, there's in-game momentum. It often doesn't carry from one game to the next. I will say this, though, something that was interesting, and we know the Ducks' history in game seven. The morning of game six, a, a couple of them said, our game seven problems started in game six. So it's funny they said that, and then they got wow. beaten so badly in game six, right? I mean, you, mm. that makes you wonder a little bit, eh? That certainly does. I'm surprised that uh, they even mentioned it or went down that road because oftentimes you hear athletes that they don't want to bring up those sort of things, and uh, those topics are you know, something that they try and avoid. So um, they really do have the pressure, though, when you think of their how it's gone for them the last three uh, playoff series and being in this position and now having to go to Game 7 and losing. I, I mean, uh, if they're talking about it and we're talking about it, you can you can guarantee that it's in their head. The one thing I might say, though, is maybe because John Gibson is such a different kind of athlete, he thinks a little bit differently, maybe that might work in his favor, although I'm very curious to see how he bounces back from a really poor outing. How does it change in your mind the 
the matchups for the Ducks with Dreisaitl going to center his own line, and then obviously he's playing phenomenal. I mean, that was that was his best game in the NHL on on Sunday night. Does that mm-hmm. does that does that swing it a bit in the Oilers' favor in your mind, or how do you see that? One hundred percent, because now you have. Uh, McDon- uh, McDavid, number one center, Dreisaitl, number two, and you said how great he's playing. And then it pushes uh, Nugent Hopkins down to the third line because uh, th- that basically is where he should be right now. And although he's trying his hardest and giving you some good minutes in some regards, uh, it's just he's not a good matchup guy for when you're going against Getzlaff and Kessler. Those two guys are, are too big, too strong too determined, and so I just think that uh, the the size of uh, Drysdale, although I'm surprised, I think he's only listed as 6'1", but boy, he looks bigger to me on the ice. To me, he looks like he's like 6'4", or something, just the way he, I don't know, his stature is. It's uh, You're around him a whole lot more than I ever am, but to me, he just plays such a big game. Well, he takes up a lot of space. I mean, he's got big shoulders, and, and you see how he can protect yeah. the puck, and, and that helped him score his first two goals in the game, right? I mean, he gets that breakaway. He can shield the puck. Yeah. And then yeah. he basically fought off two guys in front for his, his second yeah. goal and, uh, yeah. you know, got the puck under Gibson both times. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, you played in uh, dozens of NHL playoff games. What did you, what'd you say? You were in four, uh, four game sevens as the starting goal? Yes. Yes, I was. I had the Easter Epic was my first and won that in quadruple overtime. Then the following round, we uh, did the exact same thing versus Philadelphia. We fell down, uh, fell behind three to one and then clawed our way back into force of game seven in the spectrum of Philadelphia. Unfortunately, we got smoked in that one, five one. And then uh, the same year I was traded to Los Angeles from New York. Uh, we met Edmonton in the in the first round, um, and this is not an excuse at all, but a number of our guys got sick prior to the opening uh, games of that uh, playoff series. And so we also fell down 3-1. We were able to climb back, force a game seven, and then that was a really thrilling, high-paced uh, hockey game. We ended up winning that one. And then my last one was in uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, 1993. We played uh, the Leafs. Uh, there to see who was going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and we snuck that one out 5-4 in what Wayne calls uh, maybe his best game ever where he scored a hat-trick. I, I tend to disagree with that a little bit. <laughs> he had some other great games, maybe just in terms of importance, uh, getting the LA Kings to the Finals, uh, but nonetheless, uh, they are really excited. They do have a different feel. I, I found to be a lot less nervous in those games. There was more of like a I can't hardly wait to get out on the ice kind of feel. And even when you're stretching before the game, I, I just really had a a, a real uh, good time getting ready for us. It's amazing, though, Reed, and I'm sure you've heard other players that, that have played in games like that. Your senses are more alive, like all your senses. I, I just – my hearing was more alert, I thought, my smell. Everything was, it was just really magnified. It's a really cool feeling. Well, that's interesting because so many players I've talked like over the years, and I've been bringing this up for the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. So many players say you got to treat it like any other game, but your mind and your body know it's not any other game, right? So that's, right. it's a fine line you got to walk because you don't want to go out there and try to win it in the first five minutes and then have no energy left for the final fifty-five, right? That's exactly it. Like you really do, you do try and treat it like any other game, but 
your your body just can't. I mean, your your mind can't. Your your all the energy that's flowing through your body. The thing that uh, you've always you always have to guard against is being too amped up. And so you see uncharacteristic plays, especially you know some things that are really noticeable. For instance, a role player, an energy guy. Sometimes he's so amped that he goes out there and takes a penalty early. Just as he doesn't want to, but he just he's got so much adrenaline flowing through his body he can't help it and little things like that but for the most part i always found like three four minutes into the game it sort of settles down a little bit all right and quickly before i let you go kelly finish this sentence for me the oilers win tomorrow if dry title plays uh 80 of how well he played last game he's the key okay yep cool to yep. hear Kelly. He's so good. He, he's too. He's too spectacular right now. I mean, he's taken a, another step or two. He's been so fun to watch all year. But I had no idea he was going to get to this level at that young age. Kelly, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bud. Talk to you soon. Kelly Rudy checking in from the NHL on Rogers. So there was his answer to the question I posed at the start of the show. Finish this sentence. The Oilers win tomorrow if, and Kelly says, Dreisaitl plays 80% of how well he played in the last game. You can still text your thoughts to 630-630. We have open line time, 780-496-0063. Oscar Clefbaum is expected to play tomorrow night. Coming in for Griffin Reinhardt, Eric Greiba will remain in with Andre Sekera out for the series. By the way, the Western Hockey League final resumes tonight. 8 o'clock Edmonton time face-off Regina at Seattle. It's game three. The series is tied 1-1. The uh, Senators lead the Rangers 3-1 after two. Third period coming up in New York. The Jays down 3-0 to the Indians after seven. Quick timeout inside sports on Oilers Playoff Radio. 6.30, Chad. Here's Bobby Ryan back in front. Carlson scores! Carlson over the shoulder of Lundqvist. Ottawa restores the two-goal lead. Oh, what a beautiful play between Bobby Ryan and Eric Carlson. They'll celebrate in the right face-off circle. There's the most recent goal in the Ottawa-New York game, 3-1. Carlson putting Ottawa ahead by two, heading to the third period. So Ottawa looking good to finish out that series. they got to do it in the final 20 minutes here. You know, it's interesting looking at the overall standings. Nashville already through to the conference finals. They finished 16th overall. Ottawa, one period away from going to the conference finals. They finished 12th overall. And by the way, in the regular season, despite going 44-28-10, the Ottawa Senators had a negative goal differential. They were minus 2 Anaheim and Edmonton will decide their series tomorrow. That's 6th overall against 8th overall. And Washington and Pittsburgh will decide their series tomorrow. That's 1st overall against 2nd overall. And I know uh, some people don't like the playoff format because if you have a strong division like you do with the Metro, you got good teams falling by the wayside early and other teams maybe getting more favorable matchups. I mean, Pittsburgh finished 2nd overall. They played 4th overall Columbus in the first round. And then they played... First overall, Washington in the second round, whereas Ottawa finished 12th overall, got 13th overall, Boston in the first round, had home ice advantage. Now they're playing the Rangers, who uh, were ninth overall, but Ottawa got home ice because they were second in their division, and the Rangers were a wildcard team who beat Montreal. So uh, anyway, 
but I, they wanted the divisional format because they want to build up uh, the rivalries and have teams who play each other four or five times in the regular season um, starting, you know, then playing each other in the face, in the playoffs to build up a little more hatred. Jay texting in, he says, do we have any idea when round three will start? I, I think it's going to start Friday, Jay. I, I think if the Oilers, now the Oilers, the winner of Oilers-Anaheim has home ice advantage in the Western Conference Final because obviously both teams were ahead of, uh, ahead of the Predators. I think if the Oilers win tomorrow, we got game one Friday at Rogers Place and then game two Sunday, Mother's Day at Rogers Place. That's what I think they're, they're going to do. They, uh, they haven't announced anything yet. I guess they'll wait until tomorrow. Or maybe they'll do it tonight. I don't know if Ottawa wins because then they know there's no game on Thursday. That's when Game 7, Ottawa, and the Rangers will be. But I think if the Oilers win, they're right back at it Friday and Sunday against Nashville in the Western Conference Final. Uh, the Oilers win if the Ducks continue their seventh game legacy. That's a text to 630-630. Another texter says the Oilers win if Connor McDavid scores a hat trick. Well, that'd be a good sign. Somebody else says the Oilers win if the refereeing is fair. <laughs> hey, the Oilers do have more power plays in the series. Uh, they just got a really bad video review interpretation go against them. Tony says the Oilers will win if Lucic and Leon play the same as they played in Game 6, and also if Eberle and Nude start playing like when they were the first line years ago, and Jason says the Oilers win if Nuge or Eberle scores. And Steven says, I think the happiest person after Sunday was Leon Dreisaitl's agent. Well, I think I think Leon was getting paid no matter what, but a five-point performance in a game where you're facing elimination in the playoffs doesn't hurt. That'll be one of the storylines for the summer. What's Leon's next contract going to look like? And Connor's going to get his uh, extension in the summer. I mean, he'll have one more year left on his ELC, but then he'll get his long-term deal. And I'm sure that'll be announced in the summer as well. All right, you can text 630-630. We do have open line time 780-496-0063. Brendan Ulrich is going to join us for his thoughts on the Game 7 doubleheader tomorrow. For some reason, the kid likes the Washington Capitals. So he's excited that they've come back from a 3-1 deficit to force a decider against the Penguins. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. We're back after the news. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Big goal for the Rangers, just 53 seconds into the third period. Chris Kreider getting his third of the playoffs, so now Ottawa's lead is cut to 3-2. 17 and a half minutes left in the third. Ottawa trying to close out that series. The Blue Jays in action tonight. Indians up 6-0 in the eighth. I, I think I said that FC Edmonton game was tonight. It's tomorrow. FC Edmonton against Ottawa. Second leg of the uh, two-game total goal Canadian Championship qualifying round. Ottawa is up 1-0. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, this texture says the Oilers will win if Getzlaff gets lost for three hours on his way to the Honda Center. All right. Well, 
because that that texture's not too confident in the Oilers' chances. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Ray on the line. Hello, Ray. Ray, are you there? I am. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what I'm interested in Reed is finding out. Uh, I think Drysdale, with his regular season stats and all his playoff scoring points, he must be closing in on Carter McDavid for top points. But I can't seem to find any. Oh, for total. For total points. Yeah, if you have the well, regular season plus the playoffs now. Uh, so okay, so Leon is at seventy-seven plus sixteen, so that's only ninety-three, and well, Connor's at what one hundred and nine. I don't know. I'm just. I was curious. I thought Drysaddle had close to twenty. That's all. Con- yeah, Connor's at one hundred and nine, and Drysaddle is at uh, at ninety-three. Drysaddle's got sixteen points in the playoffs. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Well, he's been closer. <laughs> well, he's 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 been good. And you know who the second leading scorer on the Oilers is in the playoffs? No, I don't. Mark Letestu. Okay. How yeah. about that? Yeah, that's all. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious about that, though. I thought they, you, you don't see very much in the journal anymore about stats like that. So. Everything's on the internet now, buddy. <laughs> oh, I realize. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an old-timer. I like to read the morning paper. Hey, that's okay. Thanks for listening, Ray. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. That's Ray, 780-496-0063. All right. Good game going on between Ottawa and New York. We'll keep an eye on that one. Brendan Ulrich's going to come on for some uh, hockey talk. We'll tee up both Game 7s coming up tomorrow night. I do want to get this in here. Uh, the Edmonton Eskimos had their annual general meeting today, a profit of $1.4 million for last year. The attendance, uh, 30684 per game. And uh, this is interesting. Tom Richards who was a receiver with the Eskimos from 1986 to 1989, is the first ex-player of the modern era to then become a member of the board of directors. And he spoke to Dave Campbell. Pretty excited about it. I was, I didn't think a, a, a former player would ever be on the board. And then we learned today that Don Getty was. So mm-hmm. I'm all right to be second fiddle to Don Getty. That's quite all right. But I, I'm a, a, a huge fan of, of the game of football. I'm still involved very much with uh, amateur football and, and helping out uh, the Golden Bears presently with, with their fundraising. Um, it, it, I'm just, I've been in the community for quite a while and, uh, and, and I'm a strong supporter of football. So I think there's, uh, I think there's a lot that I can add to the board. You're coming in with that position of strength, understanding the the community, the grassroots level, and that's probably something that hasn't been on the board for, well, ever. Well, maybe since Don. Well, yeah, it. it's a it's a different perspective, I think. And having played uh, with the Strathcona Lords, who won the championship last year, but um, <laughs> free plug. Thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, the Edmonton Huskies and the Golden Bears. Uh, you know, I played uh, I played at every level, I, I guess, mm-hmm. in town, and and I appreciate the challenges that uh, that each of them have. The club has done an amazing job in supporting amateur football. They've really stepped it up, starting at the grassroots level, and that's where mm-hmm. that's where former or future football fans and ticket buyers come from when mm-hmm. they get a great experience as a as a, a wee gaffer and and uh, and keep playing and go to the next level and go to the next level. They become more and more appreciative of the game itself and, and bigger and bigger fans. So yeah. I think that's a it's an excellent way to to develop our own fan base. What have you learned about the board of directors over the years? You know, I don't know how much you really knew about them as a player. But uh, you know, when you you know 
to from then to this point, I mean, what does the board, what what does the board of directors mean to to the Eskimos and to the community? Well, they're they're typically uh, people of of the business community that understand football are passionate about football. If you look going back in the history, they were also financially responsible. It used to be the nervous nine because they were they were having to write checks if, if yeah. need be. But there there are uh, there are people that get things done in the community. Uh, I'd like to think that I'm able to add uh, add to that performance as as a board. Um, I can only say I've had a five-minute meeting behind the curtain there. <laughs> so as far as everything about the board, there's a little bit more for me to learn. All right, that is Tom Richards, former Eskimos receiver, joining the board of directors today at the annual general meeting and uh, get more details of the AGM on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. Dave Campbell covered that for us today on 630Ched. And you can also uh, check out the details about the players the Eskimos drafted on uh, Sunday. Uh, I will just say uh, I ran into Brock Sunderland briefly downtown last night. Uh, I went out for a uh, beverage and a bite to eat after work. And uh, it's nice to see Brock uh, quickly becoming an Edmontonian and sampling some of the uh, finer uh, food offerings that our city has. So that was pretty cool. I believe the word you're looking for is establishments, right? Well, but that implies that it's... uh, he he was not out, no, at a at a pub or a bar. No, but you know, yes, eateries, establishments. It wasn't an eatery. Okay. Yes, it's good to see him. Oilers game seven tomorrow night. Here's Todd McClellan. Preparation um, is is important. We're doing that right now. Well, first of all, we rest, we get preparation, and we play our game. So it's going to sound a lot like what they're saying. If you over uh, emphasize anything. Uh, you play outside your skin. We've done that in the playoffs already where it's it's caused us problems. We prepare like it's any other day. We have the same order of meetings, the same adjustments, and uh, you know we expect the players to play at their best, uh, leave it all on the ice, and look up at the scoreboard at the end of the night and, and believe that it can favor you. All right, Todd McClellan with some of his thoughts. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll bring in, oh, Ottawa just got a too-many-men penalty, so the Rangers go to the uh, power play here trying to tie the game. Ottawa's up 3-2 in game six. We'll keep you updated. Brendan Ulrich's going to hop on Inside Sports on Chad. This is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So the Senators kill off that too many men penalty. 11 minutes left in the third. They continue to lead the Rangers 3-2 in both the series and the game. We'll keep you updated as we continue on Inside Sports on Oilers Playoff Radio 630 Chet. Six o'clock face-off show tomorrow. Game time is at eight. Game seven, Oilers and Ducks. It'll be the second half of a game seven doubleheader in the NHL. Penguins at Capitals in the early game. Text to 630-630. It would be a blast if the Oilers and Senators were in the Stanley Cup series. It would. I don't know if NBC would like it, (laughs) but it would be pretty captivating here in Canada. The last All-Canadian Stanley Cup final, Montreal and Calgary in 1989. The last Canadian Stanley Cup champion, the Montreal Canadiens defeating Kelly Rudy's LA Kings 
1993. Edmonton, Ottawa, with a recent uh, football history. They met in the 2015 Grey Cup, won by the Eskimos. They met in the 2016 East Final, won by the Red Blacks, who then went on to upset Calgary in the Grey Cup as we bring in Brendan Ulrich, producer for Oilers Now, sideline reporter for the Edmonton Eskimos broadcast here on 630 Chet. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Not bad, man. How are you doing? Good. Did you make it to the driving range tonight? Yeah, I actually just wrapped up. I was hitting the ball pretty good, so now all of a sudden I want to get out there for a full 18. But, uh, yeah, I expected a couple things that I didn't do very well on the weekend, so I'm feeling good about the golf season. Good. It's always different on the range, though, man. You know that. I know. Yeah, it's quite the, uh, it's just intimidation, I think, when you finally get up there on the course. You do everything well at the driving range, and it all switches up. But, uh, I don't know. I, I feel good. I was hitting the ball pretty well. Good. No, nothing like the great sport of golf. I got out there for uh, a round on Friday, first round of the year, and I was uh, I was fairly pleased with what I was able to shoot. So it's good. My lessons from last year, Taylor Sinski at the uh, at the quarry, still helping me. So I'll keep rolling with that. Did you hear the text I just read? It says somebody's hoping for an Ottawa Edmonton Stanley Cup final. That'd be pretty cool, eh? Yeah, you know what? It'd be good for the country. And, uh, I mean, Ottawa has something special going on right now. It just seems like. Uh, I know I took the Rangers to win this series in seven, but I was sort of weary. But I was like, this Ottawa team, man, there's something going on. And Eric Carlson, I know we talked about McDavid being the best player in the world, but I think Carlson's pretty close there with Connor McDavid right now. I know it's a different position, but, man, this guy has just been incredible in the playoffs. And uh, he's playing with two fractured bones in his foot. So imagine what he could do if he was 100% healthy. He's been uh, sensational. So, hey, I mean, everyone's saying, hey, maybe Crosby, McDavid, go head-to-head in the Sonic Cup final. Why not uh, McDavid versus uh, Carlson? That'd be pretty special as well. Yeah, well, Carlson uh, had the third goal for Ottawa tonight. The Rangers got one early in the uh, third period, so uh, we'll see if they can hang on here. Yeah, Ottawa has been quite a story. And, uh, you know, getting MacArthur back was a big add. I, I, I think Stahlberg left the game tonight, but he was a nice addition. Uh, they got Burroughs, who I know is obviously hated by Oilers fans, but I, th- I think he's helped them. And, uh, you know, Anderson, there's been some high-scoring games, but I guess overall you have to say Anderson's been the better goalie than Lundqvist, right? Absolutely. I don't know. Something seems off of Lundqvist. I think he was pretty good in, in the Montreal series. He hasn't been good for most of the season. I think that's starting to show here. Uh, and Anderson's just been uh, incredible. Um, and they have some other guys that are stepping up here, like Bobby Ryan had a horrible season. All of a sudden, he's been good in the playoffs. Dion Phaneuf wasn't that great in the regular season either. He's had a pretty good playoffs as well. So it just seems like everyone's sort of, you know, stepping up together. It's sort of similar to what's going on here with the Raiders. And the Rangers are getting a penalty here with about eight minutes left. So Ottawa is going to go on the power play here with a chance to go up too. So we'll keep you posted on that. Brendan Ulrich joining us on Inside Sports. All right. So the the Capitals, who you, for some reason, you've adopted as a, as a team you like, and I'll never understand it, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> they have come back. They have, they have uh, I don't know if they've pulled one foot out of the grave or they've pulled a, one of the Penguins' legs in there with them. But it was three one. How do you think the Capitals have been able to do it? Because the Penguins have been, you know, their nemesis here in recent seasons. How they how are they able to force Game Seven? Well, I, I think it's hard for a team that goes to the Stanley Cup and wins the Stanley Cup to get back there. And we sort of saw that with uh, you know San Jose in the opening round. It seemed like they sort of got tired as that first round uh, wrapped up. And I think we're sort of seeing that with the Pens right now. I mean, a lot of those guys have played a lot of hockey at the World Cup as well. Tapped in with uh, you know last year's Stanley Cup run for the Pens. And right now, they really only have one puck mover on their back end with the AV being out as well. So 
with Schultz. And then a lot of guys that are solid defensemen, but they just, they're having trouble moving the puck, and the Capitals have a lot of puck movers on their back end. And I was sort of positive, Reed. I was keeping the faith as, uh, despite the fact that they were down 3 1, because they've all played Pittsburgh for a lot of this series. It was Mark Andre Fleury that was sort of stealing the show early. He was playing incredible. And uh, ever since they switched Burakoski to that top line of Etchkin to the, the line with Lars Eller, uh, it seems like that's uh, awoken some of their offensive players, and they found an answer for uh, Mark Andre Fleury, which seems to be high glove because they were going there quite a bit in, uh, in game number six, and they just were dominating the Pens. I mean, it took the Pens till the third period to really get a great A scoring chance. You also have Crosby that doesn't look right right now. Should he even be playing in this series? I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out more about his health once this is over. And uh, I'm hoping that's uh, tomorrow for uh, the Pens, and we'll find out what's going on with Crosby. But the concussion scare, obviously, it seems like he, he might be dealing with some issues here. He just doesn't look right the last couple of games. And, hey, give the Capitals some credit. Uh, they didn't back down. They've uh, they stepped on this opportunity and moved forward, and now they have a Game 7 in Washington, and that's why you play uh, the regular season to get home ice in Game 7, so see if they can capitalize on it. You know, that was strange with Crosby, too. I mean, he hit the boards yesterday, and, you know, they, the, then we find out the concussion protocol is, well, you can hit the boards, but that's different than hitting the ice, and the ice is more serious than hitting the boards. So I, I think that the concussion spotter and the concussion protocol criteria is something that's going to have to be... I mean, I, they're not going to get rid of it. I applaud them for putting in, but I think there are some things to iron out there. Oh, yeah, I mean, the boards are a big factor in hockey. And, and even, I mean, you, you saw me on my desk there. I got all four pages of the goalie interference stuff printed up. I mean, do we really need four pages to explain goalie <laughs> interference? Shouldn't it just be if an attacking player prevents a goaltender from making a save, it should be goaltender interference? You know, you know what I mean? Like that. You could, to me, you could do it in one sentence, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm being too uh, idealistic about it. 7.52 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, Ottawa up 3-2 on the Rangers. Five and a half minutes to go. Ottawa in the final 20 seconds of a power play. All right, we got the Oilers game seven tomorrow. Uh, you know, clearly the huge response by uh, by Edmonton. Dreisaitl has been centering his own line very effectively for the last two games. Uh, I, I, I mean, Anaheim has that Game 7 history, and I always say, well, we never know what it means until they play this year's game. I, I, I don't know if Anaheim's sitting around worrying about that, and clearly they're going to they're gonna fight back after getting throttled here in Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what's going to happen, Reed, but the thing I've noticed here ever since, uh, you know, Dreisler has went to his own line is I think the uh, Ducks are lacking some depth. Their bottom six, I mean, has basically done nothing in the playoffs. I know Thompson had four points against the point, but he doesn't have a point in this series. And then you have other guys like Cassie who's come in. He hasn't really done a whole lot. I mean, Bull, Shaw, these guys have really done nothing in the playoffs. So since Eves has went down and it's forced Perry to go on that top line, it's really taken away from their bottom six. So I think 
I was, uh, if the Oilers can get off to a hot start, get all four lines involved early in Game 7, and that's what they've been doing here. I mean, they've had two really good starts in the last two games. If they can sort of get off to another good start here, maybe score the first goal, uh, I think that will be an advantage for the Oilers. I mean, Randy Carlyle has really been trying to stick with those matchups, and I don't know if the Oilers have really been trying to do that the last couple of games because, I mean, everyone's going. I mean, guys are stepping up for the Oilers. Uh, guys like Protestu, guys like Slepeshev, Cassian is being put as well again. So um, I think uh, advantage Oilers tomorrow, but it is a game seven. It is in Anaheim. They will have the home ice. Uh, maybe that maybe that helps Monte Carlo in terms of the matchups that he wants to play, I guess. I don't know. It's impossible to predict, but, you know, you look at maybe they try to put all this attention towards stopping Drysdale after what he did, and maybe it opens up uh, Connor McDavid or even that other line with Nugent Hopkins and Everly. Uh, I mean, Nuge seems like he's coming on. He may be due for something. So uh, I think the depth of the Oilers may pay dividends tomorrow night. All right. And uh, quickly here, when I mentioned the Eskimos AGM was today, they also signed import offensive lineman Colin Kelly. Guess what? A former Ottawa Red Black who uh, was in the NFL last season. And they also released Donnie Baggs, Mike Dubasson, Alex Hoffman-Ellis, and Jabari Hunt. So, uh, to me, there's the first uh, big stamp, Brendan, that, that Brock Sunderland puts on his team as the, as the GM. He brings in a former Red Black and lets go of four guys who uh, had all been signed by Ed Hervey in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You mentioned changes. Yeah, there's going to be some changes, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot. But uh, slowly and surely, he'll definitely want to leave his stamp on his team. And we saw with Peter Shirelli, he didn't come in. Early in his first year to make a ton of changes, sort of want to see and observe things. And the, I mean, the Eskimos have a good roster. Like that offense is in is in great shape. Uh, maybe we'll see some more changes to the defense, uh, but overall, I don't think we'll see any big drastic moves I hear on the offseason for the Eskimos. Uh, I'm really excited to see what that offense can do. Uh, I know Jason Moss has stepped away from the offensive coordinator, so we'll have more time to sort of oversee everything else. And maybe the Eskimos are a little more organized. Because at times they they were all unorganized last season, especially on the offensive side of the football. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some of everything I've heard from him, it's been impressive, and uh, he's got a good team to work with here, some, some promising pieces. So we'll see what he can do with it. Brendan, thanks for making time for me. Look forward to Oilers now tomorrow, and it's going to be fun watching those game sevens, man. Yeah, uh, unless the last you hear me read after. Uh, all right, that's Brendan Oliver checking in, the producer for Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Get that from noon to 2 tomorrow. And then we have the face-off show on 6.30, Chet at 6. Play-by-play, Jack and Bob, Game 7 at 8. Oilers at Ducks. Going to be fun. Ottawa still up 3-2 on the Rangers. Four and a half minutes left in the third period. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. You miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports podcast on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Charles Adler tonight is next. Have a great evening. 630Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Ched.